you all would also really love or maybe not love to see the texts that Brennan and I have exchanged because I've been wanting updates on like how he's liking my mm-hmm. present. You know, if you buy someone like a fucking air fryer, you're going to be like, how do the green beans that you air fried turn out? And if you buy someone a prostate massager, you're going to be like, what's up with your butthole these exactly. days? Exactly. Everybody, I'm Brendan, and I'm Marissa, and welcome back to Dear Queers, the show where we answer all of your queer queries. That's right. Um, before we jump into today's queer sexual content, um, I'd really like to talk about the shirt that I'm wearing today. Thank God, I w- I knew that was where you're going, but I was still like, please be where you're going so yes let's talk about it (laughs) yeah so some of you might be wondering why you should care about this because this is a podcast and you can't see what shirt i'm wearing so i would say two Mm -hmm. things to you one use your imagination two you can always go to our instagram and look at our little video clip that we post as a teaser so you can see what i'm talking about but in case you don't have Instagram, or maybe you are visually impaired, or maybe you're just lazy, I will describe it to you, and then I will tell you why this matters. I am rocking a t-shirt that says, Fourth Hyam Sister. It is a reference to the band Hyam, and why you should yes. care. Brendan, should you tell them why they should care? If you don't know of Hyam, they are arguably one of the best bands of our generation they are three amazing sisters who create amazing music together so that's why you should care about (laughs) Hyam why you should care about the shirt is because back in what July maybe June June actually June oh my fuck so in June so I am released a new album this year it's called women in music part three you should go listen to it they're not paying us even a cent to tell you that they released a new album and it's a promo for the new album they released a little deal where you could get the album on vinyl and this shirt that I just Mm -hmm. mentioned uh, so Brendan, being like a really good friend, immediately was like, this is what I should get Marissa for her birthday, which is in August. I'm going to be uh, really on top of my shit. I'm going to buy this two months in advance. Mm-hmm. And just like, here's an early birthday present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Smash cut to December. It has not shipped yet. It has not left a warehouse. It has not. We have no updates. Brendan... What do you have to say about that process? Um, well, yes. Yeah, so, like Marissa said, I I saw this pop up, and I was like, it's almost Marissa's birthday. We have long history with these sisters, and I know she would love this gift. So I'm going to pre-order, and hopefully this will make it in time for her birthday. Very much did not uh, happen <laughs> that way. <laughs> I'd say most of the blame lies with 
Live Nation okay. merchandise, not with the actual Heim sisters. They probably had not a single clue of what was going on with this and probably didn't care one bit. I did threaten to potentially break all their kneecaps if it didn't get to you eventually, but really it's not their fault. So yeah, we basically had like given up on <laughs> this ever happening. And obviously like COVID and mailing issues and all of that had part of it um, as well. Yes. But in in December, they finally sent an update to Brendan that, like, your package is shipping. And we were like, holy shit, here we go. It's been, it's all happening. like, five, six months. And then every time that either of us checked the, like, tracker, all it would say was, like, the label has been created. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we just stopped looking after a while. And then this week... I was checking the package room in my apartment building, and lo and behold, what do I see but a package from Haim to me. And here we are. Here we fucking are. Only Uh, seven months later. Listen, (laughs) the shirt made it, you made it, I made it, we all made it. So, t-shirts aside, should we get into it? Let's get into it. Today, we are talking about masturbation, which is perfect because this will be coming out right around Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So for all you fellow singles out there, we know how you're going to celebrate. I feel like Valentine's Day masturbating is like sadsturbating. Well, let's flip that narrative, though. Maybe this year for single valentine's day you just like treat yourself so well like make yourself a lovely dinner get yourself a nice bottle of wine and then go to fucking town on yourself this is beautiful you are so right thank you for dismantling that script because it's not a good Mm -hmm. one uh, dear queers i am a cis woman and i've never had an orgasm during sex before I can get myself off solo perfectly fine, though. Any advice for helping this process along? From masturbation to penetration. So I personally don't know uh, a whole lot about this. Well, actually, we did famously have an argument in undergrad (laughs) about... So, like, your, your clitoris is not just like the one piece that you see sticking out also kind of goes like around the vaginal like opening. In, right, but like into yeah. like inside. Interior, interior, inside, yeah. yeah. So you can't see it. That's my extent of knowledge about that. But we it was that infamous argument that we had it, where I was like, this is right, well, what the clitoris is. And Marissa was like, fuck you. You don't even have one. Like, you're wrong. I was like, stop <laughs> trying to mansplain my own vagina to me. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, yeah. he was right. And I was just uneducated at the time. But I can, like, visual. Like, I know exactly where we were. We were walking. We were on our way to brunch, I think. And we were walking through that, like, gated neighborhood that was, like, to the east of where we used to live. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um. uh, so Brendan was right, and that's about, I would go so far as to say maybe the only time he's ever been right about anything related to vulvas and vaginas. 
Oh, yeah, okay. I thought you were going to say about, like, any argument we've had ever. It was oh. going to be like, oh, excuse me. But yes, uh, related to um, female genitalia, yes, absolutely. That's mm-hmm. yeah. my only battle that I've won. Yeah, um, it's not exactly your uh, knowledge base. No. So, that being said, Marissa definitely knows quite a bit more about this question than I do. So Yeah. So this is, I love this question. This is also one of my areas of therapeutic specialization. This is something that I work with clients a decent amount on. Um, I would I would say actually typically what I see a little more commonly is people who have never had an orgasm in any circumstance, but this is certainly not uncommon for me to work with either. So especially listener, if this is you, just know that like you are not alone at all. This is not rare. This is not like some defect or something wrong with you. Like this happens to a lot of people with vulvas. So just like let's get that out of the way from the top. So some things that I'm thinking about typically are a few different things. One, if you know that the mechanics work as they are intended to, right? So you know that, like, your body is physically capable of having an orgasm. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. Half a battle. You already did it. That's incredible. For me, what that typically means, if you know that it's something that your body, like, can do, the question is just then what's getting in the way of being able to do it during partnered sex. And typically that's going to be some sort of maybe anxiety or some thoughts that you're having or some way that you're conceptualizing this psychologically that is presenting that barrier, right? So we definitely want to think about that from a psychological standpoint. But the other thing to think about too is from a sensory standpoint, for a lot of people, this could be really as simple as I use a vibrator when I masturbate and I don't use a vibrator when I'm having partnered sex and I can come with the vibrator and I'm not coming without the vibrator. So if that's you, if it's really just like the stimulation that is the difference, this might sound like a no-brainer, but you can bring a vibrator into partnered sex. You absolutely are allowed to do that. Obviously, I would say probably talk about it with your partner beforehand to make sure that they're on board with that. Like generally speaking, like surprises during sex, unless that's something you've negotiated beforehand, is like not ideal. So like (laughs) make sure that this is something that your partner is on board with. But if they are, like there is absolutely no reason not to bust out your Hitachi during partnered sex. Like that's a hundred percent fine. Some people just need that type of stimulation in order to be able to orgasm. There's no shame in that. It's interesting to me that like, so to even be asking this question in the first place, you have to be thinking, right, like there's something wrong with me that I'm unable to orgasm from this type of like penetrative sex and like some kind of shame involved in that. It's definitely a thing I'm sure with you know, like, straight heterosexual couples with this type of thing, where, like, you hear all the time, or, like, women talking about, like, oh, like, I had to fake it, or, like, that's for the the benefit of, like, your partner and trying to make them either, like, A, not feel bad that they, like, weren't able to get you off, or just, like, wanting the encounter to end, because it's just, like, not 
going well. Yeah, like that seems to me like you're just doing a disservice to your to both of you, really, because then you're you're not communicating about like, okay, how can we actually make this better for both of us instead of trying to just be like, whatever, like, let's just, I'll just pretend like it went well so that we can just move on and not have to deal with it. Definitely. I think you're right that those are typically the reasons why people will fake orgasms, right? To either like boost their partner's ego or just to be done having sex. Like I think for a lot of women, it's just like, all right, this has gone on for a while. I would like to be doing something else now. Like, here's how we get this show on the road. I think oftentimes can feel like the easier out than to just say, like, hey, I'm kind of, like, ready to be done. Can you, like, either come or not come so we can be (laughs) finished with this? I think it is definitely for a lot of women easier to just fake it than it is to state your needs or to even be able to say to your partner, like, this is not, this does not feel as good as I needed to feel or to provide direction. I think that that's a lot of things. That's something that a lot of people are really scared to do is to just, like, ask for how you want your partner to touch you because you can do that just in case you didn't know you're allowed to do that you're totally allowed to do that but something I also want to remark on that you said is I I know you said like specifically like during penetration which I think that one we want to be careful not to assume that all sex involves penetration obviously Mm -hmm. but also I would be very remiss if I did not state the fact that a lot of people know but I guess not everyone at this juncture in time that like most like the majority of Women and people with vulvas do not orgasm from just penetration. It's about a third can and the other two thirds can't. So if you have ever been like, why is this dick or dildo or whatever, like not doing it for me, you are in the majority, my friend. So that is really important to know. Like if the expectation you have of yourself is some sort of thing penetrating me should make me orgasm odds are good that it actually will not. For most people, external stimulation is going to be what gets it going. Most people can't have an orgasm like that. So thinking that like there's something wrong with you because it's just not happening like that. Like that doesn't have to be the end goal. Yeah. You know, so many different people that have sex, like penetrative sex is not the be all and end all of a sexual encounter. And like that, you don't have to have some kind of penetration on one side or the other for it to be a successful sexual encounter, or for that matter, even orgasm on one side or the other to have it be a successful encounter, you know, like trying to, I mean, do you agree with that? A hundred percent. I would say you get to define sex however you want. There is no textbook definition of what sex is. So right, so it can involve penetration or it cannot involve penetration. It can involve orgasm or it cannot involve orgasm. I think that it's really, really important to be able to unpack those kind of traditional definitions that we have because they just don't work for everyone and I think place a lot of undue pressure. I don't know. I think a working definition of sex that might be a little more universal is like any sort of consensual sexual interaction between two people who are enjoying it and like finding pleasure in that moment. Mm -hmm. Right, so if we're going with that, then, you know, for this individual, fine, maybe you're not having an orgasm, but, like, if you're enjoying that encounter and having a good time, then I think that's 
perfectly fine. And if you then still like, obviously, the feeling of having an orgasm and you want to do that on your own time, then that's okay. Like, this, there's nothing, I guess, inherently wrong with this scenario, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's more, I guess, trying to reframe it and like look at it in, in a different way. Yeah. And then I would say, you know, going back to some of the psychological barriers that can be present here. So typically, for people who are struggling struggling with orgasm for not physiological reasons, a lot of time it can be because they are putting some sort of pressure on the situation. Like, pressure is, like, the worst thing you can do if you're trying to have an orgasm. Like, feeling like you are supposed to do something is really just going to be the antithesis of what you actually need. A few things to think about there. One, are you noticing yourself having any thoughts of like really being focused on whether or not it's going to happen? Like those thoughts of like, is this it? Am I feeling it? Like really feeling kind of like in your head about what's going on particularly if you know it's something that's never happened but it's always on your mind I think that that's a really common experience for a lot of people to be so hyper focused on like is this it is it gonna happen is it gonna happen is it gonna happen which is like you know paradoxically like the worst thing you can be doing for it so really trying to let go of those thoughts which there's a lot of different ways to do you know thinking about it from like a mindfulness technique of just noticing that you're having that thought and then allowing yourself to focus your attention on something else. Maybe it looks like like really trying to focus your attention on the sensations that are happening yeah. and really trying to figure out like how do I be in the moment of this right now and thinking about like noticing what's going on or even trying to reframe the question in your head from like am I going to have an orgasm to like does this feel good can really really just take the pressure off of like okay I have to come or I will be embarrassed if I don't or I have to fake it if I don't or there's something wrong with me if I don't or my partner won't be satisfied if I don't and then the other thing I would say to think about too that could be going on for our letter writer is if we think of orgasm as really sort of the ultimate form of like release or letting go I think for a lot of people who typically find themselves wanting to be in control more can struggle with this idea of letting go or maybe even some worries about like what am I gonna look like when that happens what am I gonna sound like is it gonna be embarrassing am I gonna look stupid or weird or ugly and if those are the kind of things you're getting yourself caught up in yeah, you're probably going to be too self-conscious to be able to really engage in that, just like releasing yourself to a bodily sensation. Mm, yeah, speaking of, <laughs> I so for for my birthday, Marissa got me, um, basically, for anyone who doesn't know, men have this magical organ called a prostate that lives just inside of your anus, kind of anterior to your penis like bladder it's not that far up you can basically feel it which is why anal sex anal penetration can feel good for for all men all men have a prostate let's be clear about that um well all, oh would, sorry all, all people people born mm-hmm. male assigned, assigned male at birth yes have this so i'd say masturbation for people with a penis generally is not you don't have to work as hard I would say in terms of having an orgasm it's pretty 
straightforward a lot of the time and it doesn't require a lot of like focus or you know you can just kind of like one and done it pretty easily but this new experience i've been trying to deal with is using basically a prostate massager which is like a little <laughs> it's like a little like silicone plastic thingamabob that kind of pops up there and it's got little handles to stimulate you from the outside underneath like your uh where your taint is and then kind of like a little bit above your butt crack so you're using this tool essentially to help massage your prostate and then achieve prostate orgasm but it's a very different process because you're not using any kind of penile stimulation and trying to like let go in a way that i didn't have to before so it's been an interesting process trying to sort of relearn your body and like different ways of stimulating yourself and masturbation and it doesn't have to be so you know some people try and classify sex as some kind of penetration and orgasm and boom that's sex like masturbation can be more complicated and different than just choking the chicken for a few minutes <laughs> and like basically it's all more complicated i think than we think it is like it things don't have to be so straightforward on the masturbation side and on the sex side so yeah yeah <laughs> that is a really really great way of demonstrating right that like sexual pleasure can look like a lot of different things and just having this script of what it should look like doesn't really do anyone any favor yes agreed you all would also really love or maybe not love to see the texts that Brennan and i have exchanged <laughs> because i've been Wanting updates on, like, how he's liking my mm, present. Mm. You know, if you buy someone, like, a fucking air fryer, you're going to be like, how do the green beans that you air fried turn out? And if you buy someone a prostate massager, you're going to be like, what's up with your butthole these exactly. days? So I've learned a lot about that journey for him, and I've been really here Yeah, for we've, we've been on this journey together. It's very exciting. Um, <laughs> it's like being uh, 12, 13 all over again, so... Anyway, mm -hmm. um, any kind of final thoughts about this? I feel like we covered it pretty thoroughly. I think we covered it. Yeah, that's the deal. Um, oh, one other, like, thing that I, like, a little, like, hot tip to try if our letter writer is one of those people who's really concerned about, like, I'm, like, scared to do this with another person. Like, what if I look mm. dumb? I would actually say that is an instance of where faking it could be helpful because if you get a little practice of, like, okay, let me, like, make some weird noises and like contort my body and do some crazy shit with my face and your partner does not react in the way you're fearing that they might it might give you some permission to be able to do it for real that is good advice yeah like getting more comfortable with this is how i might look this is how i might sound whatever but yeah give it a go those are my thoughts love it Okay. All right. Jumping on to question number two. <clears throat> Dear queers, I have a higher sex drive than my partner, so I tend to masturbate on top of the sex that we have to fulfill my needs. Um, my partner doesn't like to know about it because it makes them feel inadequate, so I usually do it secretly. I don't want 
to feel ashamed about it, but is there a way we can compromise and make it more normal from my secret garden? <laughs> okay. Uh, I I talked a lot during our last question. So, Brendan, do you want to kick us <laughs> off with your thoughts? Um, sure. Yeah, I think this is an interesting dilemma. Everyone has different sex drives or different libidos, like different levels of kind of sex levels that they need, like how much stimulation you want on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis, whatever. Um, And I think, yeah, that's definitely something that can potentially be an issue in a relationship where... Um, I know a lot of the time, let's say, you know, it's like a new relationship or a new person in the same way that like you get a new toy and it's like very exciting. And like, maybe at first you want to play with it all the time and it's so exciting and new and great. And then, um, as things go on for longer, maybe things are not as exciting and maybe one person or the other doesn't want to play as much as before. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't love I'm taking this metaphor very far or <laughs> uh, that doesn't mean that you don't still love that toy and want to like have it around and play with it but maybe you don't want to play with it every second of the day like you did at first and that's okay but then maybe the other person the other fuck it whatever okay so the other other person doesn't want to have sex maybe as much. No, they do. So, basically... I feel like you have lost the plot (laughs) here, Brandon. Anyway, okay, so there's a mismatch, (laughs) so how do you deal with that, right? And it sounds like, okay, Mm -hmm. this person, they want it more than their partner to get it. They're, let's say, masturbating on the side. Um, And for some reason, their partner isn't okay with that. I'd say, like, off the bat, for sure, like, there needs to be a communication conversation that happens around this, really figuring out, okay, what's what's happening here, and, like, how do we... You know, like, you don't want to get to a point where you're resenting your partner, like, feel like, okay, this is not working because um, our sex life is not how I want it to be. So I think talking about mm-hmm. it and really expressing, like, hey, I feel like we are not having as much sex as we used to and I feel like I need more and kind of going from there and trying to figure out what makes sense for both of you whether that means maybe the partner who doesn't want to have sex as much compromising and maybe having like trying to have a little more sex versus or the partner who doesn't who does want to have more sex, um, being allowed to maybe talking about an open relationship is a possibility that could happen. Not that that is a good thing for everybody, but there are a lot of different options, I guess, that like could be discussed in terms of this. So I would say, let's like kind of lay out, like, so if you have like libido discrepancy Mm -hmm. issues in this relationship, let's talk about like what all of your options are. So like Brendan has already articulated, one, the lower sex drive person can try to be open for some more like kind of like maintenance sex. 
the higher sex drive person can go with less sex or you can try to have sex with the higher sex drive person can have sex with people who are not in that relationship. Those are kind of your three options. And it seems like our letter writer has gone for option B of, okay, I know my partner doesn't want to have more sex, so I will just go without and I will masturbate to substitute. But the issue is, is their partner is not really satisfied with that as a solution. So I think the conversation that needs to be had here is really about that this makes their partner feel like inadequate. So, cause here's the thing, right? Is if your partner doesn't want to have more sex, which is a hundred percent within their right. And if they don't want to open things up, which you, I don't know, maybe they do, right. maybe they don't, maybe you've talked about it, maybe you haven't, then they're going to have to find a way to make peace with you masturbating more. Cause that's really about all the, the only option they've given mm-hmm. you. So that if that's the situation, then I think in order to, like you're saying, the question, right, is like, how do we do this in a way that doesn't make me feel ashamed about it? If your partner is sending you the message that you should feel ashamed about it, then you we've got to talk about this, right? So what about this makes your partner feel inadequate? What are the things that make them feel that way? So is it that they are saying like, I don't think I'm enough for you or you is are they saying like maybe sex with them isn't good enough are they feeling I don't know there's a lot of different things that could be going into this so a helpful way to talk about this can really just be remembering that your libido is a need just like any of your other needs right like if you if your partner is good with like three meals a day and they're not hungry in between but you need lots of snacks They probably would not make you feel shitty for, like, going to get a granola bar at, like, 2 in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. right? This is really just the same sort of thing. It's just that, like, your bodies are wired differently. And I think that can be a helpful framework to talk about it through. Yeah, that I like that metaphor a lot. It's, like, thinking about it more as, like, okay, this is something that, like, my body in particular needs that yours may not. And less of, like, that means that, like, I'm inadequate. Like, I'm not doing something good enough and like my partner is abnormal and like needs too much and like I don't like that it's doesn't have to be so personal I guess I'm trying to like detach from that a little bit is definitely probably Mm -hmm. a good thing to at least try to do or like discuss and try and figure it out in that way so it seems like Part of the issue, too, I'm, like, looking back at the question and they're saying, my partner doesn't like to know about it because it makes them feel inadequate, so I do it secretly. Mm. We can unpack the inadequacy lens of it, but also I think it's fair for your partner to not want to maybe have to be super aware that that's going on. So I also wonder, could we reframe, I have to do this secretly, to I'm going to do this privately? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You can't fault them, right, if they don't want to to know about that necessarily. 
So, right, it doesn't have to be like you're sneaking around, you're in like a bank heist or something like that. But could it be you and your partner work out some sort of like code or signal that means like, so if you're like, hey, I'm gonna go into the bedroom for a little while, they know that that just means like you're gonna go masturbate and you don't have to elaborate on it but you also don't have to hide it but they don't really have to be too involved with what's happening other than they know all right stay away from like don't go grab a sweater in the next 20 minutes or whatever because <laughs> you i'm using it <laughs> yeah i'm jerking off in it too it feels sweater, good and then i'm gonna go that cashmere sweater mm. i would be curious like for all the the couples out there listening to this like you know like how many couples still masturbate on top of how much sex they are having with each other because I feel like there is I mean I, this might be my own perception but I feel like there is a little bit of a stigma of like okay if you're in a relationship with somebody and there is the option of sex available to you then like why see masturbation as like that's a single person thing to do and that has no place in a relationship um, and I'm curious how many people feel that way versus like, no, like that's totally still on the table and part of our dynamic with each other. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the issue with, cause you, I think you're right. That stigma is totally there. I mean, I think it's bullshit and we need to dismantle yeah. it, but I think it certainly exists. And I think part of the issue is we really don't do a good enough job of distinguishing between like, I want to or I need to have sex versus like I need to get off because those are not really always mm, the same thing. Mm, I mean, we just mm. talked about the difference yeah. between like sex, like how sex doesn't always have to include orgasm, but but I mean it goes beyond just that, right? Like sometimes we want to get fucked or fuck someone and sometimes we want to ju- we just care about like I just need to come. And those are not mutually synonymous things. Yes. Yes, for sure. I mean, we're all about, like, labels and distinctions and, like, you know, that's important to kind of talk about and figure out. Separate, like, right, the difference between that, like, kind of more physical need and urge of, like, orgasming, getting off, coming, whatever, and physical intimacy, that like, needing that. When you were single letter writer or listener whomever like you probably masturbated but also if it had been a while since you had sex you were probably like yeah I would like to get laid because masturbation is meeting a different Mm -hmm. need than having human sexual contact is so the reverse is still true yeah yeah like still needing and wanting both things and there's Mm -hmm. a different feeling that you get from each thing that is valid one other like thing for our letter writer to think about is does your partner have any interest in joining you for masturbation? Would they feel more included if you were doing like some mutual masturbation or if they were watching you or something like mm. that? If that's something you're both open to, that might be a nice compromise to um, some of the, the anxieties that surround it for your partner. Yeah, for sure. Like treating it less as like a, a solo act and more as like something that can kind of be something that you do together and then maybe yeah that takes some of the the shame and like stigma off of it where it's like hey i'm gonna do it you want to watch me do it you want to like kind of like be in the room and like be watching a show while i'm doing it like whatever you know like it doesn't have to be such a, a shameful solo thing i guess any other thoughts 
the company. Nope. That's, uh... It's the long and the short of it. (laughs) And the uh, wide and the skinny of it. And the deep and the shallow of it. Any any other... The um, hairy and the shaven of it. All right. Well, that is just about enough, (laughs) I think. Yes. Thank you for joining us once again. I think, is this going to come out after or before Valentine's Day? I want to say it's coming out, I think, before Valentine's Day, right? Is this coming out on the 8th? No, actually, the day after Valentine's Day. On the 15th. Oh, the 15th. I don't know how to read a calendar. Hopefully you had a Valentine's Day that was satisfactory, but also, like, no pressure because it's a made-up, stupid fucking holiday, and you don't have to comply with it. I think it can be nice to conceptualize Valentine's Day as celebrating all the love in your life, not just the romantic love in your life. So... Like, I always exchange, like, little gifts and cards, like, with my friends. And, like, I have a nice long... Like, in um, college, my best friend that wasn't Brendan and I would always go out to be each other's Valentine's dates. And that was the best Valentine's I ever had. Um, Except one time we got the flu after sharing some (laughs) Bananas Foster. So that was not good. But... Yeah. You don't have to... It doesn't just have to be about... Your little special honey bunny. Agreed, yeah. Like, celebrate love in general and not just romantic love. And as always, please send us more questions on our website, dearqueerspod.wordpress.com, or you can DM us on Instagram at dear.queers, and you can rate review subscribe apple podcasts and just share the love share this episode with someone you care about for valentine's day yeah please please do it Mm -hmm. and if they don't what should we do to them this time Here's the thing, is right now in Chicago, as I'm recording this, there is an enormous blizzard happening. And so, unfortunately, what's going to have to happen, if you don't do any of those things, is Brendan and I are going to drag you out into the snow, and we are going to, you, me, and Brendan are all going to build an igloo together. We're just going to build a, like, cute little igloo. You're going to think it's a lot of fun. You're going to think it's, like, this cute little wintertime activity But then we are going to be like, oh, hey, can you go see how it is inside the igloo? And you'll be like, yeah, let me check it out. So you'll be in the igloo and then we are going to board up like the front of the igloo and you're going to be trapped in the igloo. And we'll be like, oh, no, how did that happen? That's so crazy. And you're going to we're going to be like, oh, did you like, oh, could really quick. Could you could you just like follow us? Like, on Apple Podcasts, and could you just, like, rate and review? And, like, until you do that, you're going to be stuck in the igloo. Um, and then once you do do it, we'll get a hair dryer, and we'll just start melting it. But, unfortunately, it's going to take us a really long time to find the extension cord if you don't do what you need to do. So you're going to be trapped in this igloo. 
for a while, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not going to let you, like, die or get hypothermia, but it's not going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I guess we could, like, just... How would we keep them warm if they were going <laughs> to... There's lots of blankets in Okay, they can bundle up, yeah. Yeah, we'll make sure it's cozy in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, did I ever tell you I have, like, a traumatic igloo story? No, <laughs> From please. My tell childhood. traumatic igloo story. Well, um, when I was young probably like sometime in elementary school my like some of my neighbors it was like middle of winter and we were decided to build like a little igloo fort together we spent like the whole day building this thing and then after it was done my horrible neighbor she like would always bully me and the second it was done she was like you're not allowed in the igloo it's only for cool people and then i like couldn't after i helped build this thing all day and so i like ran home and i told my mom and then my mom came out and like was screaming at her and it was the, the best thing ever so did you eventually get to go inside the igloo i think by that point it was like i didn't even want to anymore because it was just so horrible and like i didn't want to even be with them mm -hmm. it was more like on principle i was like you can't do this to me sure right like let me in the cool club. yeah and after, yeah, that was so much work, too. So, anyway, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you would have even fit in it, because It was big. Gargantuan. It was big. Also, we cheated a little bit. We, so we had, there was, like, a tree that was kind of, like, made, like, a little flat roof type thing, and we kind of built a wall around it. So it was sort of, like... I don't think that's cheating. I think that's structurally, um... It was smart. sort of like a suka igloo. <laughs> <laughs> uh... And, Igaka. Well. Anyway. <laughs> sure. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully. Thank you for sharing that with us someday. I hope you get to have a non-traumatic Me too. Experience. Yeah, I should rebuild one so that I can have a nice time. Hopefully we don't have to do that to you. Mm -hmm. But yeah. you know what you have yeah. to do. We will see you be in your ears next time. Bye. Goodbye.